Okay, so Ryan Tov, we continue in the Sefer Das Hasviros. We're on the tenth and final sphere of Malchus, which is royalty. And again, every time we start again, the next layer of explanation adds and repeats what we already said. So we don't have to summarize again because it repeats again. And the Zohar says something about Malchus. And in Aramaic, it's lace, lay, me garma, klum, which means it doesn't have anything of its own. And we'll have to see in the broader sense that's really true about all royalty. Royalty doesn't have, should not, and does not have anything of its own, which needs a, a good explanation, but it will help us understand this a lot. Because royalty really doesn't have its own self-expression that it's giving something of its own and giving it to someone else it's not like the king is a multi-billionaire from his own assets and now he's giving billions of his own dollars to everybody else but rather everything that the, the king has and here at the meat of Malchus, the tenth and final attribute, everything it has is from the nine that came before. In other words, all the intelligence that came and, and the and the kindness and all these attributes that were there, and now he's finally gonna be the receptacle for the end point of it, he knows that really he's all receiving it. Now, we'll see in a minute, he's receiving it for the purpose to dispense. But nothing came from him. And that's the analogy of the sun and the moon, where the moon is compared to Malchus. Because the moon has nothing of itself except the light of the sun. And that's why we compare Moshe to the sun and Yeshua to the moon. Because Yeshua received everything from Moshe and then gave it over to others. That's so why, again, when we when we do Kiddush Lavana, who do we talk about? We talk about King David. Okay, so this idea of being the king, Malchus, royalty, means you're the last one of the ten. So everything else that's that's worked and developed and produced, it all now sits in your lap, and you've received it all, and so therefore. The, the, the Meda of Malchus itself doesn't have anything of its own that it's giving to anybody. But rather, everything else that's come to him, okay, now the attribute of Malchus takes it in order to give Hashem satisfaction. But really, it doesn't add anything more than what was given, than what it receives. So this attribute of Malchus really is, we'll say, is establishing the vessel to receive everything. And that expression is its existence as being a vessel to receive. That's what the Malchus is. But on a deeper level, when we say it has nothing, that's the attribute that has to exist for the attribute of Malchus to really be achieved in the way it's meant to be. Okay, and that's not a deficiency in the attribute of Malchus. It doesn't have anything. 
but that is part and parcel of what it has to be to be the Malchus. And the, why, the reason is like this, what's the whole purpose of Malchus? We said the whole purpose of Malchus is to me to reveal God's majesty. My job is to reveal God's majesty. So the more that I feel that I am not contributing to them and I have no self-expression, then the expression becomes God's expression. The marshal, the analogy gives, is to a mirror. How much can a mirror reflect? How, what makes a mirror reflect better or worse? Mercury. What? Mercury. No, I don't mean mercury. I mean, you, ha you have a mirror, yeah? And I'm standing in for what? What can make the mirror reflect more accurately and what can make it reflect less accurately? Very simple. Angular light, probably. I don't know. No, if the mirror is dirty. Oh. If the mirror is dirty. It's got mud on it. It's got mud on it. It's got a film. It's not going to, it's going to distort. If it's just a clean, perfect mirror, it will show everything that's there. And therefore, uh, as it says in, in Psalms, it, it says that, uh, to understand that when a person thirsts for Hashem, and he's thirsting for Hashem like water to get close to Hashem, even in the worst times, he will merit to reveal so much of Hashem. And that's why Shabbos, which is the seventh day, is Malchus, because what do we not do on Shabbos? We don't do anything. We don't create anything. We don't make anything. We're absolutely zero. And that's when we can really reflect the majesty of Hashem. So what, what we're saying is, the, the, and this is a critical factor in Malchus, and you can easily see where this is going, as you'll see in a minute. But the point is, there are, man is meant to be, as we've said, an embassy for Hashem. And when people look at the person, they know this is the embassy of Hashem. And it means everything goes on in the embassy is reflecting Hashem. Everything I do, everyone sees there's Hashem over there. Now that only works in the best way if we see that the embassy has not, not it, it's not really creating anything. It's not doing anything. It's just taking all the holy energies that have come to it and it's using in the place that Hashem wants it to be used. And and that last level say, I, I didn't do anything. I just took what I received in order to help others. So again, if we would look at what the, what is a king supposed to do? A real king or a president, whatever. The first thing is obviously the country has a lot of talent. There are skilled workers. There's all kinds of talent that's in the entire country. There's wealth in the entire country. So uh, what's the king's job? King's job is to take all the resources and not to, to not to, and he doesn't have any vested interest in what happens to those resources. He only wants one thing, that those resources should be recycled to improve the life for everybody. So 
if there is, he wants the people to be safe. That's a pretty nice thing for a king to want people to be safe. So he says, I'm going to draft certain soldiers in the army. I'm not going to save anybody's life. I'm going to draft them. I'm going to hire generals. And they are going to protect us. Now, is that a worthwhile thing? For sure it's worthwhile. How are we going to pay them? I'm going to get money from the people. Now, if everybody's just going on their own, no one's going to be able to accomplish anything. So, just like the, the Melech, the Malchus, takes from the nine spheres above. So the king takes all the resources that are there. It all goes into him. And he is saying, I have nothing to contribute. I only have, now there's a Jewish king now. The Jewish king says, I only have one thing. My one thing is, how are we going to know that God runs this country? And therefore, I have to enforce all of God's laws. And I need assets to make that happen. And yes, I need big treasuries for things that God will need for his honor. But the king doesn't take anything for himself. It's not for him to take. And he and doesn't have anything to give. The, the first kings we had, King Saul and King David, didn't own a nickel. They became kings. They were shepherds. So what did they had nothing? But Hashem says, You're the king. Now you're the king. So and what is the king doing? The king is not promoting any of his own agendas. Because guess what? God already has the agenda. The agenda is we have to make a sanctuary for God. And it's the king's job to know that all the resources that are coming in have just one purpose. It's not about the king glorifying and leaving himself a legacy and making a presidential library. It's all to know that at the end of the day, if you look in the book of kings, when they discuss the king, it's always the final note about the Jewish king is, did he destroy idol worshiping? Did he get rid of the false uh, altars? Did he do what was good in the eyes of God? It doesn't say, oh, he built this, he did this, he did that. That's not the, the point is, did, was God revealed in his, during his tenure of being a king or not? And he himself had nothing. Now you can begin to see why <clears throat> any other form of kingship is an adulteration of what it's all about. Because the kings are looking for power. They're looking for wealth. And they're looking to use people for their own benefits. And that's not going to bring any good results at all. And therefore, just like we have a Jewish king, so all of us are able to act in a royal fashion. That all the, all the Torah that we're learning, all the intellect that we are developing, and the scholarship, and the decisions I make about life, and the emotions that are invested into making these things happening, and the effort that is being made, and all these things, and we're trying to bring and take it all to create a certain reality. Let's say you want to uh, build a school where children will learn Torah, and that will sanctify God's name. So whoever is the person that makes it happen, 
his whole focus is I only want one thing will God's name be uh, celebrated or not I don't have and, 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 and the one in charge says I didn't I didn't do anything what do you mean you did uh, I just took all the assets and remember within the one person Hashem gifts you many assets <laughs> he gifts you with a brain you didn't make the brain God gave you the brain you're studying the Torah God gifts you the brilliance God gifts you the right emotions all these things become gifts and now you're taking it all and now you want to make that final declaration that God is the king of the world and therefore that's taking all that that positive energy those different energies you now have it in this utensil it's called you and it's and it's and it's, you're the mirror and you're shining up your mirror and now it's all being reflected out into the world and you have nothing or better yet you're interested in nothing except that God's will should be realized and that he will feel fortunate that he was the one selected to make that happen and was and had the good fortune of selecting properly this is the idea of Malthus and therefore there's a lot of ideas that come around this there's concepts that say that kingship on the one hand is being like the tail of the lion and on the other hand it's like the head of the foxes so what does that mean because there's two aspects in this malchus on the one hand it's the tail of the lion it receives all the resources all the energies from the nine spheres beforehand so it's really the tail of the lion but on the other hand now that the, that you've received all that and now you've got to do something now you want to influence others now you become the head of the foxes because you never want to say you're the head of the lion because you've been the tail of the lion so imagine imagine one of these dr doolittle creatures that's one creature it's a lion and then it connects the tail to the head of the fox you know, not push me, told you, but uh, it's like one, one, one creature. Imagine a lion, and at the end of the tail is connected the head of the fox. At that point where the tail connects to the head of the fox, that's Malthus. So the fox wouldn't be stupid enough to know, oh, I'm the one who's taking care of the tail. No, 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 your head came from being the tail of the lion. You follow? So therefore, um, okay, then it gets into letters of God's name. We can skip this. And the same thing we could say about a woman. The mother who's the mother of the house, she receives from the husband whatever she receives. Whether it's the seminal drop, she receives that and develops a whole child from that. She's the tail of the lion and the head of the fox. Or the money that the husband gives her, but the little money he gives, she uses it wisely and develops everything. Whatever Torah the husband shares with her, she applies it properly in the house and makes the house the kind of house it should be. Okay.
Now, another concept over here is which name of Hashem do we apply to this aspect of Malchus? So the mystics say that God's name of Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud. That is the, repli- that's the reference to Malchus. And the Gemara in Psachim says, Hashem says, not as I am written, I am read. Because when you write my name, you write it Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. But you're not allowed to pronounce it that way. But rather you pronounce it as Ah, Do, Noi. Okay. Gemara also says, on that day when Mashiach comes, Hashem's name will be one. Hashem will be one, his name will be one. What does it mean his name will be one? Not the way it is in this world, will be in the next world. In the next world, Hashem's name is yud Hey vav Hey, and we'll pronounce it yud Hey vav Hey. Okay? So nowadays, we don't have Hashem's full essence being revealed in the world. So that's, that can't be revealed yet, not the oneness of Hashem. It's all done in, 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 in uh, it's, it's concealed. And therefore, we can only reveal that which the Malchus can reveal, and that's the name of Hashem being the Lord. We can reveal the lordiness of Hashem. But the essence of Hashem we still cannot reveal in this world. And that and that is is that's not uh, for us to see it. And that really becomes the choice of man. The the Yud Hey Vav Hey is not perceived yet. But will we at least perceive Hashem as the Aleph, Dalad, Nun, Yud? We know that the Yud, Hei, Vav, Hei is the source of all this. But what's going to be revealed? going to be revealed is what we can understand about Hashem. Therefore, as, as showing Malchus that reveals Hashem in this world, we can only reveal the Aleph, Dalad, Nun, Yud. Okay. So now we get to the next part. Is So what is the Avoda? What is the actual work that we do over here? Now, we've already said yesterday that the Malchus is also called a cow, a bride. Because the, every, 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 the whole wedding is for the bride. But what's the bride going to do? The bride will then become a, a mother of Israel. So she's, she receives all the gifts, all these gifts, but then she's going to be the bride, and that's going to affect the whole world afterwards. So the word is, you know, ha-kala, the bride, kala. That is a noun. We could take the letters of ha-kala, but it's a verb, which is hichla, to contain. Something that can contain many things. And this is the idea, is that the attribute of malchus, and that's what we're doing, is to contain everything. So let's give a really good example of this to, to bring this idea home. But that's what it is. Our job is to contain. That's what Malchus is. Just like the Kala, okay? Our job is always to contain everything that's there. So let's give an example of this. Let's say a person, somebody is doing something to really annoy you in a great way. So it could arouse in yourself anger towards something that happened in this house. Let's say you wor- you warned the kids, don't touch that thing. It's precious. It's a one of a kind. 
it's irreplaceable, of course. The kid plays with it, it breaks. So now you're bursting out in anger. I told you not to do it. Why did you do it? Now, the question is, what's the source of that anger? The wrong answer is the kid broke the thing. Right? No, that's not the source of the anger. That is the catalyst. That is the stimuli. The source of the anger is within the person that something came to him that he could not contain that behavior with the, the, with the vessel that he has. He couldn't hold in all that, what happened, and just hold it. His vessel was not strong enough, and it overflows because he doesn't know how to contain the action that happened. You hear? So he was lacking some malchus because you're supposed to be able to contain everything. Okay. So, so some of them were not happy with things, right? And we think as well, you know, somebody did something he shouldn't have done. But breaking out of the anger with all its fury doesn't come because the person did something he shouldn't have done, but it's because you are not able to contain all that which happened before you. And here's the biggest proof. What happens three weeks later? The item's still broken, yeah? You're still angry? Why not? The item's still broke. I thought the item being broken is what got you angry. No, what got you angry was you couldn't contain what happened. But over three weeks, time put some ingredients in the vessel that enable you to, now I can contain it. I, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm happy about it. I miss what I lost. But now I'm, with time, you can contain that consequences of what happened over there okay so if the person understands that the reason he's angry is not because of the action but it's not he, that but he wasn't able to contain his reaction to the action so now we have at least a great source of avoda for us to fix our anger because now I understand it's not me changing the situation this is where people make big mistakes this person gets me angry. So you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to, what do you call it? Cancel. Yep. Then you meet another person, gets you angry, you cancel him. You start canceling everybody. Maybe you try a different solution. Maybe you should learn how to fix your container. And you don't have to cancel out so many people. And that's what the altar from Kelm, the Dean of Kelm, you said, that if a person wants, when, whenever, if a person wants to act on his anger, he should make the following resolution, that before I act on my anger, I'm gonna have a special anger coat that I put on. And after I put the anger coat on, then I can respond. Now why is that so good? Because by the time you get, you get the coat and put it on, you already can look at it from a different perspective and if you're going to show anger, it'll be external, but not internal. Because if you just delay the anger, 
you'll see you can contain it. And therefore, what's the root of replacing anger is to be able to contain all this. So what attribute must you work on to fix up your container? It must be humility. It's got to be humility. The more humility you have, the more your container can hold things that are upsetting. As it says in the Sefer Orchas Tzadikim, it says, anger comes a lot from arrogance. Who is he to do that to me? How can you do that? I... So therefore, you can only be saved by not being arrogant. And therefore, you have to have humility. And that's how you take care of that. And humility comes back to royalty. Why? Because the king has nothing of his own. If you have nothing of your own, what are you uh, arrogant about? I don't have any. <coughs> what do you mean you got a whole empire? I don't own it. Now you can understand why politicians are so arrogant. Because I have power of the purse. It's mine. I can decide what to do. That's a big mistake. And therefore they can't, they, they don't have a lot of trouble holding in their anger. While humility, you recognize that I don't really have, nothing's coming to me, even though I've got all these virtues. Because these virtues didn't come from me. They came from nine steps above. So now when you're holding on to humility, you can contain all types of situations that come to you and receive them with love for which Hashem gives you because it's you don't have anything anyway. So... So, so the person broke the thing. Well, what did I have this for anyway? By the way, why did I have this? How did me having this thing make Hashem's world a better world? Right? So therefore, he can control every because he eventually you know, you know, whatever Hashem does is probably his will, isn't it? So if it's his will, what am I getting upset about? That's Malchus. And that's why a lot of times you're doing great things and people throw stumbling blocks in front of you. You do great things and you're not complimented. You do great things and you're criticized. So Malchus says it's water off of the back. It's, I, 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 what am I doing? I'm just, I'm just doing what everything else is there. I'm just doing what, as the ambassador for the king, it's all the king. And I, the only thing that could upset him is if people hurt the king. Someone insults the king. Whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't me anymore. This is the king. Why does Moshe get so upset at Korah? Not because Korah was insulting him. It's because he was insulting the king. Okay. So that becomes a, a critical point in understanding um, this idea. And with this, okay. So now he explains another aspect. I'm going to skip this point to get something short that I can fit in over here. So let's go back. So we got Malchus is Kala. And if that's the case, um, when we received the Torah, what's the analogy? God was the groom and we were the Kala. And why was that? What did we do to make ourselves the Kala? We said, Nasa Benishma. We'll do and we will listen. That's when God crowned us as the Kala 
and as the king. God said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. Because why? Because when you say, I will do, and then I will listen, what are you saying? It's not up to me. It's not that I'll listen and I'll figure out what's good and then I'll decide what's good and then I'll do what's good. It's not, I'm going to do. What do you mean you're going to do? Don't you have an opinion? No. God says what I do. That's it. I nullify, I nullify myself before God. Finished. NASA. Now, I hope when I do it, eventually I'll, I'll understand, you know, why I should do it. But it doesn't matter if I do or not. I'm doing it without knowing that. And that's when we got the crowns. Mamish the crowns. That's when we really got the malchus. Because now we're saying, I'm just going to I'm gonna do what Hashem says. And everything he does, I'm just the last part. And that's going to bring out the kingdom of Hashem. Now with this, we can now understand another thing. What's the difference between the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Saul? Okay. The Rambam says about a king, he says, the heart of a king has to be as big as the heart of the whole congregation of Israel. And therefore the Torah is so specific that he has to have a Torah next to him all the time. He has to read from the Torah all his life. Why? Because he has to contain all the parts of all the Jewish people and every possible Jew that there, he has to contain it. Meaning he has to worry about every Jew. He has to care about every Jew. And that's what a melech is, as opposed to there's another Hebrew word called moshel. A moshel is a, a dictator, a ruler. A moshel, he just controls everybody. He doesn't care about anybody. While a melech doesn't control everybody, he has to take everybody to heart. He has to realize that I have to have the I have to feel for every Jew. And whatever I do is with that feeling for every Jew, as opposed to me wanting to control every Jew. And the Swasema says this is the virtue that David had different than Shaul. Because Shaul, it says he was a shoulder above everybody else. So that means in the most scrutinizing way. He was a little more than nothing, <laughs> but being a shoulder above. David Amelech was the opposite. That when they brought the ark to Jerusalem, he's dancing like crazy, like a commoner. And his daughter criticized him. Listen, you're acting like the empty ones. You know, you don't dance crazy, you're a king. And he says to her, he says, you know, that's why God chose me and not your father. Because I'm able to know that I'm nothing. I'm dancing like this. That's for Hashem. It's not my honor at all. The reason why Hashem chose me more than your father is because I nullify myself more than anybody else. That's that's the point he's making over here. And Rav Shimshon Pincus, in his Sefer, Shabbos Malkus explains that's the depth of the Gemara that says that only someone from the kingdom of David can sit in the courtyard of the base of English. Nobody is also allowed to sit except a descendant of the kingdom of David. Why? Because when you're sitting down, it looks like you're giving yourself a little comfort. 
right? So anybody, but God's there. How do you dare sit when God's there? But the kingdom of David, their whole attribute is we have nothing at all. So when they're sitting, they don't even think twice about their sitting. They're not sitting because, oh, I'm showing off my royalty. I have nothing at all anyway. So when they sit, it's not a contradiction to that at all. And that's how you see David succeeded more because he felt he was more nothing. Now, again, we have to explain more. This nothing is not an idea of not having self-esteem. Remember, you have the greatest self-esteem. Why? Because I'm connected to the greatest power in the world. I've surrendered to the greater power, and I am the ambassador of the greatest power in the world. And although I don't have anything, but I'm connected to the greatest source of reality. And therefore, I don't fool who I am. Okay, so tomorrow we're going to get into the idea of the kingship of Rochel and the kingship of Leah, which we'll see will now explain a lot of things about David HaMelech. So we'll continue with that. Okay, Shkoyach, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi. Are you coming for the yes. evening class? Yes.